1: An amazing 1,200 points on Monday and gave back about 26 points of that today on news of an apparent plateauing of coronavirus cases in New York and New Jersey. I find that puzzlingly optimistic in light of a weekend of White House medical experts all over TV news, all warning us to prepare for a terrible week a Pearl Harbor, a week of tragedy. Yes, Surgeon General Adams, epidemiologist Burks, infectious disease guru Fauci, were all telling us this was going to be a week, the worst week of our lives. But the Dow Jones is up. Welcome to the Reimagine America Radio Hour. I'm a businesswoman, not a politician. I solve problems, I don't make them. Sometimes I just identify them. Because after that weekend of warnings, the White House briefings on Monday and Tuesday offered nary a word of explanation for the dreaded spread the previous day. It was all happy talk about how well the coronavirus supply effort is going. Although it appears that the Inspector General at uh, Health and Human Services does not completely agree how well is that testing really going because you know testing has a whole lot to do with unlocking our front doors admiral guar and i i apologize if i'm not i think it's Grigor, um and i apologize if i'm not getting that totally correctly showed a chart on monday that seemed to display 1.8 million coronavirus tests had been administered, you know, between the beginning of March and um, the end of the month or the first of April. And that sounded really, really good. Great news. Until, of course, you do the math. So if we go back to the last census and make sure you do go and fill out your census form, um 2020 census but if we go back to the last census the official number was that there were 330 million americans there's probably 340 million at this point but you know well let's not quibble when we're talking about rounding errors and statistics so if you take 1.8 million tests in a population of 330 million americans you have tested Drum roll, please. One half of 1% of the population. And of that, 35% tested positive on average. That leads me to believe that we really need to test the other 99.5% of the population, about 328 and a quarter million people, because at that rate, about a third of them or about 109 million could be potential carriers of the dread COVID-19 virus, or not, and wouldn't that be good news? But testing, testing is going to be the number one weapon that we have to fight this disease, according to the experts, for at least the next year, possibly two years, possibly three years until there is an effective vaccine and it is widely used. So what the first condition for releasing you and me from home imprisonment is the ability to do surveillance testing. And yes, I'm getting really, really tired of pacing my balcony. What does surveillance testing do? It's situational. It helps you to identify where you've got little pockets of infection. And if you find those little pockets of infection, you then go test people. And when you have positives, you isolate those potential cases. And that is how you control those people spreading the disease more widely. So if we haven't tested 99.5% of the population, we have no potential control of the outbreak. We can mitigate it, which is what we're doing, but we can't control it without knowing better what the rate of infection is. So the question becomes, how long will it take to create enough tests to determine that the time has come to begin loosening the stay-at-home restrictions without risking a second outbreak of the virus? Well, you remember... Three weeks ago that CVS paraded, was paraded across the Rose Garden saying that they were going to do testing in all of their uh, drugstore and uh, Target parking lots. Well, beginning uh, yesterday, testing is now available at CVS in Rhode Island, and it says it's testing for anyone who wants it. Wow. That's an indefinite period of time forward because we don't know how long it will take either to collect the tests or to actually administer the laboratory work to determine if they're positive or negative. Nobody gave you any estimate of that time frame. And Rhode Island is a state with only 1 million residents. But you know what, it's a region with Connecticut and Massachusetts, where there are an additional 10 million people. In other words, people who live in Rhode Island work in those other states, shop in those other states, have family in those other states. So you really have to talk about testing 11 million people if you wanna start to loosen some of the stay at home restrictions. They also announced, ooh, 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 there's one neighborhood store in Atlanta, of course, they didn't tell you which one, what part of Atlanta that's ramping up to do testing. Testing will be reliable and successful only when it's available at my CVS parking lot in California. So how far are we away from establishing Enough testing st- stations, let's say in California, to quickly and reliably test 39 million residents. Because our great numbers and knock on wood—our numbers compared to the eastern United States are very good. But that's because we locked everybody down, like on the starting on the 8th of March, and the entire state was locked down before St. Patrick's Day. We're mitigating, but we can't test. And in fact. If you want to talk about situational awareness of pockets of infection, you kind of have to be ready to test every single day because the infection test is only a single point of time test it only proves that the person being tested is or is not infected with corona at the point in time, the moment at which it is administered. It doesn't tell, well, it does tell you a little bit about the day before perhaps, but it doesn't tell you anything about the day after. So in order to begin to lift the home imprisonment rules, then yes, after you've been at this for a month, it does feel a little like being in jail, We need to understand the overall population risk, okay? And in order to do that, you need an assay test. And that assay test must be very accurate, very reliable, and very quick to administer because you're going to have to administer it so widely. What it is is an antibody test. If a person tests positive, it means they have antibodies in their bloodstream To COVID-19. And we believe, based on normal viral behavior, that person is post-infection and has a degree of immunity to that particular bug. Now, what it does not tell us in this particular case is whether or not that person could theoretically be a carrier again. But knowing what we know about viruses, it's not likely. So those are the kind of people that could go back to work. You'd want to know if you were sitting at a table in a restaurant that the person waiting on you had antibodies in their bloodstream to the COVID virus, especially if you don't. Now, only today, after President Trump left the daily briefing, did Dr. Birx acknowledge that while the assay technology is well known and proved, the FDA does, has not yet received a clinically effective test that, that actually finds COVID-19 antibodies. And until we have that test, that test who t- that tells us who's at risk and who is not, it will be difficult to begin, and the percentages of the population that are at risk and that, that are not at risk. It will be difficult to begin to develop a plan for gradually allowing people to return to work and to a post COVID normal life, societal life to actually resume, you know, where you can go and see your friends and your family. Now, at the current rate, and a little back of the envelope work, I kind of figure that that testing situation will take until September to come to fruition based on the current ramp of testing and the time it takes to get the assay test through the FDA approval cycle. To which I say, it's too little, it's too late, we gotta do better, Do we have to put the Defense Production Act into place in order to get laboratories and pharmaceutical manufacturers and test development and vaccine manufacturers to work faster and harder and smarter? I guess maybe we do, because what we have seen in other countries is that loosening the social distancing guidelines and opening more businesses without accurate infectious and post-infectious testing has led to a second outbreak of the disease. In fact, in Hong Kong's particular situation, the second outbreak is worse than the first outbreak. Now, I know you're anxious, as I am, to be able to go out and live your life. (laughs) Get a haircut get the dog groomed, see my family. Not in that order, but all those things need to happen anyway. But where we are without testing, without knowing whether that person you're looking at from six, 10, or two feet is potentially a carrier of disease, you know, are are you willing to sit two feet away from a stranger in a movie theater? Given the level of testing and what we know about this disease at the moment? Or are you willing to even be closer on an airplane? Just think about that for a minute. And that fact is that we need to have the ability to do surveillance testing, both tracking actual infection and isolating it and tracking the level of post-infection antibodies until we can come up with an effective vaccine, okay, it's going to take time. There are some vaccine experts, some scientists who spent their entire career developing vaccines who think it could be a two or three year voyage of discovery until we have a commercially available vaccine. And that's going to mean there will be some level of risk in our society until that time. In fact, there'll be some level of risk after that time because we know not everybody's going to step up and get a shot. So I ask you, wouldn't we all be better off if our government just leveled with us? Right now, a vaccine is still more, little more, I would say, than a mirage on the horizon. But we have the technology to do solid testing. We need the will to do that testing in an efficient, effective manner, because that is the first essential step in freeing you and me into our post-COVID-19
0: new world.